cow. Holy cow. <laughs> Welcome all. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. I'm Mike Nelson, and with me, of course, is... Connor Lestoka. We're just uh, a couple of sluts talking about a bad book here. <laughs> yeah, we shined our orbs, put our ovals on the pages, and man, oh man... Connor, I am uh, I, I'm almost at a loss for words because I, I finished up uh, doing my prep for it uh, last night and early this morning, although I'd done it all week. But that meant that the uh, the last chapter, <laughs> I mean, is still fresh and ringing in my in my uh, brain. It is amazing. I am yeah, stunned. I, right, and the when when you the last chapter itself is is a, is a work of art. Obviously, it's right up there with the. Uh, final scene of the godfather or you know um you know sort of the the, the end of the journey of lost those type of iconic <laughs> um you know wrapping up of of the great series but uh the fact that it was it was lost for so long is is a story in itself the fact that uh for for so long they didn't know how this journey ended and and then it was eventually revealed and i think right that, when you that, when you turned the page of the <laughs> of the audio or the uh, what what is it called the journal of Science oh, Fiction yeah, Journal the Ozark, of the Ozarks. Science Fiction Association Journal. Yeah, yeah. It was, man. man. <laughs> yeah, this is. We're, we're obviously still. We're we're still stunned by really? it. But we should explain yeah. what this is. The this 372 pages we'll never get back is the podcast where we sort of take on works of fiction. We started with Ernest Klein. We are now going through The Eye of Argon by Jim Tice, written in 1970 when he was 16 years old. <laughs> And so we're just working our way through it, and in the uh, last episode, obviously, we did the first half of the book. It's a very short book, and this uh, episode, we're going to do the second half. So let's yeah. dive in. We Oh, we have a uh, lots of good stuff. I uh, I went back, Connor, to the uh, my friends who did the audiobook recording of it, oh, and so yeah. they've, they leaked me another scene, which is uh, very <laughs> thrilling. So that's coming up, and then we, of course, have the dumb sentence of the week. Yeah, we and, forgot uh, it last week. People were uh, upset about that, but we can we'll, we'll 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 share our nominees from last week, and we'll share the the winners from this week as well. And um, then we have some uh, we have some mail as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got a lot of uh, there's been a lot of feedback about this, um, and so people have been wanting to share their thoughts, and we got some really good ones. Have we uh, just uh, uh, in advance of it share it? Have we gotten a lot of stuff wrong? Or have we been corrected much? I don't think so no okay. i don't think all this right. is like the same sort of thing where it's like you guys should really watch the last starfighter like that type of, of right. wrong opinion i think it's yeah. uh it's been more of uh you know sympathy uh you know my wife left me type of things for reading this book to her um <laughs> you know, but it's pe people are, are really, seem to be really enjoying the ride i think oh that's great well let's dive in and we'll get to the, all those uh the de departments that we mentioned uh, we'll get to those in a little bit uh i just want to say off the bat this was exhausting because he went bananas with the made-up words. I, I could not keep up. Were you diving to the dictionary on this one? I was constantly. Yeah, and uh, I, the Kindle has a built-in dictionary so you can highlight the words, but then there's so many where it just either is they're arcane or they're misspelled, so it, it's, it doesn't have any sense of that. Um, so, yeah, there's just countless uh, things throughout this where it, it appears to be... Um, completely made up or misspelled and where a lot of them didn't have a dictionary result when you Googled them, but the first result was yes. the eye of Argon. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but that that's what I mean, like, because it, it would be misspelled a couple times, like if you used it over. And so you're trying to figure out 
is he does he mean this but I, it, apparently he doesn't and anyway i just got exhausted doing that but otherwise it was a riot so let's dive in with uh this is chapter five right yeah chapter five sort of t- takes place away from our hero grigner um and it's down it's the the evil uh, shaman the plural of shaman <laughs> right um who are uh who are um got a wench tied up to their uh hand-hewn altar, and they're about to conduct some nefarious deeds. And we learned, later learned that these are the, the acolytes of Argon, who are a, a weird sect. But we'll get we'll get into that later. It's a, it's a splinter cell. Um, Can one be <laughs> both an acolyte and a shaman? I, I'm just like, I'm trying to puzzle that out. I don't know how that works. but Well, it's getting ahead of it, but we're, that we learned that they are, that the, the main religion in town is worshipping a guy named Sargon. Yeah. <laughs> so these guys, uh, you know, broke off. You know, I guess it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, what, what's the two things in Lord of the Rings? The two things that sound exactly Sa- like Sauron and Saruman. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so it's possible they were just confused when they decided to worship Argon. Like they left out a letter and and ended up in front of this jade deity. But <laughs> we'll get to that anyway. So yeah, they uh, the priests are are are, are attacking this uh, wench or about to and and. Tice has a lot of descriptions of these priests, and none of them are particular, particularly flattering. They, the, the, it starts off with the priest ordering the wench, up to the altar and be done with it, wench, ordered a fidgeting shaman <laughs> as he gave the female a grim stare accompanied by the wrinkling of his lips to a mirthful grin of delight. And there are many, there are many times here where he's describing a, a, a sort of facial expression combo that is impossible for any any living person to pull off it's the equivalent of like uh rubbing your head and patting your stomach at the same time he's got his 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 grim stare but it's he's wrinkling his lips in a mirthful grin <laughs> yeah people are are uh, grotesque i mean even the the people who are supposed to be sort of attractive like i think our hero grigner is you know i mean you know he's supposed to be like a bronzed yeah. god with you know flaming red hair and everything but he's always when he makes a face, it's always accompanied by something else as his, you know, lips curled over his giant teeth. Like, just let it let it go. Is you know, <laughs> yes. he really he lards it up to the point where this is grotesquerie. Everyone you describe is grotesque. <laughs> yeah, and the you mentioned his lips as well. That was the most delightful part of this chapter five. Chapter five was eleven paragraphs long, and it has five mentions of the shaman's lips. Um, throughout those those five paragraphs, and Probably often, like... often, let me read. This is one of those the, those uh, descriptions, uh, which transformed his slovenly grin into a wide, greasy arc of sadistic mirth, and alternately interposed into the female a strong sensation of stomach curdling nausea. I just made a note here: like people are very, very oily in this world. Yes. They're always greasy or oily, or uh, there's globules. <laughs> Gracie, at one point in time, yes, they were. Gracie. Yes. I, uh, there's lots of times where you just imagine the guy sort of reading this description afterwards and be like, oh, come on. I didn't come off like that. <laughs> like, Wasn't that greasy? My complexion was bad in middle school, but like it's cleared up at this point in time. It is but, hot. Yeah, the... It is hot down in that chamber, okay? So there's a little sweat on my upper lip. I wouldn't call it greasy. 
there was a uh, there was a really great book um, that is it's sort of similar to, to what we do here, but it was by Ryan North, who does the dinosaur comic comic. He's an interesting guy, but he found an old copy of the Back to the Future novelization that you get from the Scholastic Book Club. And he sort of went by page by page and, and, and written, written, riffed it like in a prose style. And something that he took away from that is every time they described the, the principal who's played by the, the bald guy from Top Gun in the movie. Um, in the, the, the author of this novelization was frequently focused on his lips as well. So I was, <laughs> it's maybe just something that hack authors, uh, dial into unknowingly cause it's grotesque to keep thinking about someone's lips. But, um, I was, I was tickled by that. Yeah. He, a fascination with lips, but also, uh, people projecting ape like arms happened a few <laughs> times. What the hell does that look like? Projecting not... your ape-like arms and then his, uh, I think, hairy fists or something. Yeah. These priests. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, uh, these guys are, are about to, to harass this woman, um, and so she's not too excited about that because she, she bursts into a slow, steady whimper, stupidly shaking, shakily to her knees and cringing woefully. And I thought this was a good time. I mean, you know, this this is not a new thing for this for this back half. But I thought it was a good time to maybe uh, bring up bring up the most famous critic of adverbs, which would be Stephen King. Um, he uh, in his book on writing, he sort of has a little tirade about that, which I uh, I would like to read. It's from a chapter called The Adverb is Not Your Friend. And so okay. I think he, he would probably be delighted by by Tice's style. But he says with adverbs, the writer usually tells us he or she is afraid he or she isn't expressing themselves clearly that he or she is not getting the point or the picture across. Uh, consider the sentence. He closed the door firmly. It's by no means terrible. But ask yourself if firmly really has to be there. <laughs> Um, somewhere out there, someone is accusing me tired of being tiresome and anal retentive. I deny it. I believe the road to hell is paved with adverbs and I will shout it from the rooftops to put it another way. They're like dandelions. If you have one, <coughs> excuse me, if you have one on your lawn, it looks pretty and unique. If you fail to root it out, however, you'll have five the next day, 50 the day after that. And then my brothers and sisters, your lawn is totally, completely and profigulately covered with dandelions and you'll see them for the weeds. They really are. So yeah, Dan, wow. Tice's work is littered with dandelion adverbs. Well, uh, consider this sentence in the in the light of what you just read. The vile stench of the shaman's hot, fetid breath overcame the nauseated female with a deep, soul-searing sickness, causing her to wrench her head backwards and regurgitate a slimy orange-white stream of swelling gore over the <laughs> richly woven purple robe of the enthused acolyte. Good Lord. I, yes. I just want to collapse on the floor after reading that. <laughs> right, exactly. I thought that that might be the one thing that Tice was sort of writing about from a first-hand experience. <laughs> the, uh, the hot, fetid breath? Or no, oh, just the uh, leaning in for a kiss and the, uh, and the reaction of the... <laughs> Your, oh. your prom date or something. An orange white stream. I don't Good know how Lord. it's. Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't uh, hyphenate to make it. Not that the hyphen would do much, but, <laughs> you know, an orange white stream. I, I don't know. Right. That, that doesn't help. But anyway. Well, I'm I'm certain that it made her uh, her complexion all the more alluring, uh, as was described in the in the previous section of the book, where she looked like Janice the Muppet. Did her uh, uh, but... her nose remained opaque, uh, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, also, when the, the shaman's lips, another passage about them, they curled back further, exposing a set of blackened, decaying molars. 
like how far were his lips curling back in the situation? Like did <laughs> yes. he did he have like the, uh, the you know a dental like extruder that you have for surgery, just like pulling the whole thing? Like that's a it's a hard to even imagine your your back teeth being exposed as you grin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, another sentence from that. And I'm saving a bunch of these. I marked pretty much every sentence of this chapter as the dumb sentence of the week. So I, oh, I, nice. I'll just, uh, I'll ruin one more and then the rest of them are up for the, uh, pathetic screeches of the shaman groveling in dejected misery upon the hand hewn granite laid pavement worn smooth by countless hours of arduous sweat and toil a welter of ichor oozing through his <laughs> clenched hands attracted the perturbed attention of his comrades from their fetid ululations. Huh? <laughs> oh yep. my God. It's got a lot going. So he's groveling in dejected misery, and he t- takes the time to point out that the, the granite pavement is hand-hewn. Fetid ululations. Yeah, he misspelled ululation. I assume it's ululations. It says ulations, but I don't think that's a word, is it? No, no, it's not. I looked that one up specifically because um, I wasn't sure. Because I was like, <laughs> I wonder if they, what they were doing, if they themselves considered that that uh, fetid ulations. You know, if they were like over there, being like fetid ulations, like <laughs> these, you're playing these Uno. Are, <laughs> yeah, plus uh, these are our prayers, sir. So uh, yes. let's uh... <laughs> right. There's nothing that leads you to believe that the uh, the god the king is worshiping is 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 more uh, kind or uh, grotesque than this uh, than Argon is based on the the way the society has shaken down. Yeah. But but right before that, the reason that he's pathetically screeching was one of my favorite parts because oh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> it because it's because the uh, the victim has cocked her right foot backwards. She leashed it, leashed it desperately outwards with the strength of a demon possessed, lodging her sandaled foot squarely between the shaman's testicles. <laughs> yes. So this is a, you know, it might be hard for half of our audience to really picture this is, but squarely between is like the most pinpoint precision aim. Like you're, you're, you're really splitting hairs. To, to land something between so to speak I mean. <laughs> just, yes, between it, that area like it's a uh, well really... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I was picturing at that moment because I picked up on that too I was picturing um, maybe you know Mr. Belvedere style able to sit on his own uh, right. balls I, I don't know yeah I, don't know. I suppose if you've got the sort of division and stuff you see in a pair of truck nuts you know that sort of thing like going and you know, cartoonishly separate, separated from the, the thing, from your body. But it was a, a very, very precise aim on her part. So I was happy about that. But then um, how does he react to this, to this precision blow? The startled priest released his crushing grip. And I don't know if anyone's ever taken a direct shot to the crotch before, but the uh, startled is not the word I would choose for that. Like, what? Startled, what? what in the world? Like a, a truck backfires as you're going for a run or something. God, whoa, you know, it's not the, uh, the the crushing pain. And then so the way he continues to respond is his face flushed to a rose red shade of crimson, eyelids fluttering wide with eyeballs protruding blindly outwards from their sockets to their outmost perimeters while his lips, you know, so it, to me, it sounded like the horny cartoon wolf who's, you know, like a wooga as it happens. Uh, but then his, then it gets it continues to build. Uh, his hands reached out, clutching his urinary gland, 
as his <laughs> knees wobbled rapidly about for a few seconds, then buckled, causing the ruptured shaman to collapse in an egg-huddled mass to the granite pavement. And the uh, the 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 passage, his urinary gland, was the one thing that I I texted you on like Sunday night, like just like that was that was what I couldn't I I couldn't believe. Uh, what I was... Yeah, we want. Uh, uh experts in the human form to tell us is is it a urinary gland is that a uh... <laughs> uh yeah not a term i had really uh used before certainly not something you'd ever use in a uh you know dirty talk type of thing like you know come here baby <laughs> <laughs> let me uh pre- precisely uh land my foot squarely between your testicles <laughs> Oh, man, there's too much, and we got to keep going. But uh, the last sentence of the chapter, did that stick out to you in any way? Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you give that a read? Um, So the uh, I just have the last part of it highlighted, but uh, it's sort of she's passing out. Is that what we're talking about? I think this is the last passage. Her confused head. Okay, you go ahead. Her confused head reeled, then clouded in a mist of enshrouding ebony, as she lapsed beneath the protective sheet of unconsciousness to a land peach and resign. Yes. <laughs> what in the world is I don't, happening yeah, that's, here? That's one where you can't even tell where, I mean, to a, to a land peace and resign? To a land of peace and resign? Uh, yeah, sure. To a sure, land wanna... peach and resign. Which was a great '70s duo that did like a groove hit, Peach and Resign. Yeah, yeah, Resign left to like uh, you know go on to a to a prog rock band and oh man, that chapter is exhausting. It took me like a day to read it. Like I couldn't because you can't. Yeah, was... You know the shuddering from the clammy touch of the shaman. Like is clammy? <laughs> what 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 is that? Like obviously clammy, but it's not obvious because of what. You know the other things that he summons out of nowhere. Yeah, like this one. The actions of this re- this this rebellious wench bespoke the credence of an unheard of sacrilege, and I, <laughs> I that would just seem like you know flip through the thesaurus and finger down. That's the word I'm going to use. I, I didn't understand what bespoke the credence was supposed to indicate to me. I don't think that that he knows either. But so we come John out Fogarty of... getting a suit tailored, maybe I don't know. <laughs> We come out of chapter five and we're right into chapter six, which is yeah. like, is massively, it's longest by far, right? Yeah. In the, uh, yeah, I, by far longest. <laughs> I kept turning the page being like, he did, the pacing was not something that, uh, that he was, he was familiar with. I mean, later on too, the chapters are, or half chapters even are, are very brief to the point. And then he'll do something like this, which is like, more cl- closer to like what a real book would be like, I suppose. But the, you know, it's like he he was doing a Jack Kerouac thing where he, you know, took a bunch of uppers. It was like I'm banging this one out all night. Like I'm not. A... <laughs> and then the other ones are just so so self contained, like a, a little short story. Um, so I'm not sure what what the uh, what the intent was there. Yeah, I don't know. He 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 uh, caffeined up or something. Had a bunch of coffee and wrote this chapter, and it goes on and on. But. But it is interspersed with these delightful drawings. And again, this being a podcast, I don't know how to handle this other than to say, for the love of God, get the uh, get the PDF yeah. of it and look at these yeah. things. What is what is the thing, the creature with the monobrow going, ick? ick. <laughs> Do you know what that is? 
So, I mean, I don't know why they're in there. I did learn the identity of the author, and it doesn't seem that's related to the thing. But the the identity of the author is someone who's revealed at the end of the book. Um, of the, of he, you mean the the uh, of the, uh, the illustrator? The illustrator, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, J. T. Ricoche, who uh, had written a poem, I guess, that was in the same Ozark Sci-Fi Association journal called Eek or something like that. Like, oh. not also, also not even. <laughs> That's not even like a mad magazine, like, you know, kablurk type of thing. Like that that's something that no one has ever said. No one, you know, yuck, ick. I guess it's a combo of those two. Yeah, but, it's uh, I-Y, it's capital I-Y-C-K. Yes. With two exclamation points. And then there's a sort of, I don't know, almost Seussian kind of rabbit dog thing yes. drawn i don't know how to describe it <laughs> but yeah it, it appears unrelated to the the actual content of this i don't know if he just submitted uh illustrations to the ozark journal and they were just like yeah well you know we'll put these in somewhere but then again that one of the king in the previous chapter who was like smoking the blunt i don't know that seemed like it kind of related so and i think he was in, just... in the uh, couple pages down i think the woman in the thong uh is supposed to be the the woman at the altar Huh. I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who's like, she's sort of like throwing up the horns or giving a a shaka or something. Like, what is she? In the photo, or in the photo, in the the illustration, she is, it's a distorted uh, illustration. It's hard to make out, but it looks like her arm is kind of twisted behind her back and it's chained to something. So I assume she's at the altar. Um, She is topless and is wearing sort of a thong dress thing. Okay. Um, and then there's, I don't know, you can't make out the rest of it. The floor is sort of like tiling, but it's all distorted in a way. Anyway, yeah, look it up. I, again, this is, does not make for good podcasting. No, but it's, it's, it's an important part of the whole experience. It's like, uh, you know, it's like watching the room in the theater. You sort of need to know what people are, uh, you know, what it was like the first time to actually see it. Um, but so the chapter opens with immediately a man being called a slut, which is yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Um, and th- that man we we come to learn is is wearing a g string. I guess I don't think that was explicitly stated in the. Uh, he was wearing a loincloth earlier, but the yeah, Grignar is wearing a g string. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get uh, you get you get very he's he's in his cell. He's he's been uh, you know he just finished killing the rat, but the soldiers have come to get them. And the you get these sort of lengthy George R R Martin descriptions of what the soldiers are wearing. Oh that, my um, god, that is. Could you picture that at all? No, I couldn't picture it. It was like it was it was more coherent. Like I, it was, you know, it's just sort of describing in sort of the way you describe your D and D character, I guess. But like, yeah, no mental image was popping up. But you know, it was. It seemed like he sort of lapsed into that, and like you know, there weren't really like typos or anything like that. So it was maybe what he's best at. Well, I guess I I, th- I think only if you really are steeped in fantasy literature sure. would you have any idea what he's talking about um but before we get to that just real quick he says the first line of it or the first thing is like he they're hauling him out of his pit of misery whatever they're calling it and they say climb out from your pit slut your presence is requested <laughs> in another far deeper hellhole and i thought man that is such an insult to have to climb up and out of your pit to go right. into a far deeper one right like, can't exactly. you just like can we go down from here to it nope <laughs> you got to go up first and then we're going down yeah exactly you're you're in a you're in a heck 
hole. That's a different, yeah, it's whole a different, whole wing. different place. Yeah, uh-huh. we got to go down this hallway here, and then you'll see once we get there. You'll get it. Yeah. We added on the hell holes after we built. There were an addition, so there's no real, by virtue of the code, we had to extend them a bit further out, so there's no connection. Anyway, slut. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah so. As he climbs out, there was it was very this was very subtle. Um, you know, this is a 16 year old boy. You're going through a lot of hormones and everything like that. So there was, I think, some subtle subtext going on as he climbed out. See if you can pick up on it. His swelled limbs, stiff due to the boredom of timeless inactivity, compounded by the musty atmosphere and jagged granite protuberant against his body, <laughs> craved for action. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it was, but I just. Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I was 16, but I'm just picking up on something. Oh, jagged granite protuberant, huh, baby? Yeah. <laughs> uh, protuberance is, uh, keep, kept coming up in this one. I was happy about that. Um, yep. But yeah, the, uh, the uh, sentry's up there. He's holding a, a crescent cupix, which I... I guess that's his torch. I, yes, that's a, a real word, I guess. But that crescent is no um, cupix. Cupix is sure. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's only been seen, I assume, in whatever single piece of fantasy literature this kid was reading. <laughs> <laughs> Never ever again has been printed in English, right, or spoken. We uh, got a good. Uh, we got a good uh, theory about that later in the in the in the mail section. So we'll uh, we can fill everybody in there. Oh, good. All right. Um, But this begins the puzzling uh, word hunt that I had to go on because before that, in in that, the musty, I don't know what, I don't know if you read it correctly, at moisture? Uh, At moisture, yeah. I just, my my eyes fixed it for me. Yeah. What is that? Do you have any? Atmosphere. Atmosphere? Musty atmosphere, I guess. No, but it's A T M O S T U R E at muster, which is not a word. <laughs> okay. Uh, then, then he throws cupics at me, and now I'm slightly irritated. <laughs> and then uh, here's a piece of action. What is happening here? He recoiled short of his intentions as Grigner's right arm, one word, swept to his gorge. Yeah. What is that? What, I what does that my, mean? I know it was not sure what that means, but it clearly sounds dirty. His gorge is the gorge, as far as I understand it, is the undigested food in your stomach, oh. right? Oh, I gorged myself. Sure, uh, my uh, gorge rises. My, I, but it seems that he's cutting his neck then later. So I yes. just don't understand what's happening there. No, it's uh, you know, it's you're you're when he starts using using fantasy words to describe actions that we could all be familiar with. If he just said what the body part was, we would be much less confused. And this and this happens a lot where you're just like you, um, when he finds that trap door coming up. That was another one that I was just absolutely oh god, that was what I was supposed to be envisioning. <laughs> that was but yeah, after so he, after puzzling. He's, after he swipes his gorge, his bobbing eyes rolled beneath fluttering eyelids. So <laughs> and then his the eyes deep are bobbing, welt. rolling, and fluttering. Yeah, and a welt, acro- a welt across his spouting gullet. That's not <laughs> what a welt is. A welt, we all know what a welt yes. is. <laughs> a welt is, yeah. I got stung by a bee and uh, it sort of like raised up a slight welt. But thus the end of Broig. The, <laughs> he gets a name that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> 
Be sure to make that not a stout one, broig. We wouldn't want our guests to take leave of our guidance. Again, wow. not sure what that means. But anyway, we get a name, and it's poor Broig. I mean, he had a wife, and uh, yeah, exactly. you know, she had a translucent nose, but otherwise she was pretty. You know, on the Eye of Argon wiki, he's flashed, fleshed out for pages and pages his backstory <laughs> and the of course, just, just like you would like yaddle on the Star Wars wiki. You've got all sorts of theories and <laughs> non-canonical comics that are sort of you know he's the star of surprisingly. But uh, right after that, we find out what he's using because remember he seeded this before and i said i was excited to hear what was going to happen and uh, this is it, one of my favorite phrases ever just imagine if you gave this phrase to someone and said guess what this is about yeah <laughs> the tediously honed pelvis bone of the broken rodent <laughs> i mean that just sounds like one of those horse uh, horse books uh, tweets or whatever right. oh, yeah, like, yeah. what does this mean <laughs> Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I thought this was that was more nice, nice and subtle thing. He had been concealing it beneath his loincloth. Uh, so he's, he's stabbing guys in the gorge with a pelvis bone that he's tediously <laughs> honed that he keeps in his G string. So that's, again, very just just tediously honing it, guys. Uh, <laughs> Mom, come on, knock. <laughs> but the, the thing that made me laugh right before that is uh, is, is right before he he uh, conceals the thing after he's killed these guys with the rodent pelvis bone he he snorts a gusty billow of mirth which <laughs> I think he had briefly transformed into Ignatius J Riley there I thought that was pretty awesome <laughs> to speak of another uh, author who was not appreciated in his own time yes oh man I just picture him just furiously typing this I, I can't it just <laughs> it comes at you so it's so intense. Yeah. Uh, this was a, a puzzling phrase. Knowing where his steps were leading to, Grigner meandered aimlessly in search of an <laughs> exit from the chateau's <laughs> dim confines. <laughs> Again, he's going to the thesaurus for what's a, another word for like a palace or I don't think he's in a chateau. Chateau, <laughs> yes. There's a vineyard out front. But how can you know where your steps are leading to and then meander aimlessly and then be in search of an exit? Like, he's not, <laughs> I, he, it's, again, it's, it, you cannot imagine this. I guess that's like, you know, if you're, if you're a kid who's been sent to the principal's office, like, you know your final fate. So you, uh, you do a Billy from Family Circus to try to get there. <laughs> uh, another new word comes up right after that. Aquested. That's not, <laughs> that's not a word. Okay. <laughs> Yes, if requested as to the purpose of his presence, his barbarous accent would reveal his identity, being that his attire was not that of the castle's mercenary troops. And I thought he just put on the outfit he stole to blend in, sort of Wizard of Oz style. So I'm not sure what he's 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 worried that if he was requested, his accent would reveal it. But then yeah. it says he's wearing an outfit that is not of the castle's mercenary troops. So he put on a different troops outfit, which why bother in the first place if you're going to be revealed that quickly? Well, I mean, he knew where his steps were leading, but he was meandering aimlessly. So clearly, come on, this is clear. And then there is a, a very interesting uh, sort of um, tense change coming up, halting before the teeming portal, 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 portal. Grigner rests his shaggy head sideways against the barrier. So it's like it's in the present second person almost. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> I guess that could just be a typo of rested because it's R-E-S-T-E-S, -E his shaggy head. But that's uh, I think there's another time that happens during this. So it just sort of it's sort of a, he steps back and is observing his own creation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, well, then comes, right after that sentence, comes the very confusing word, and I can't even say it. I don't, uh, I'll spell it out. A-P-I-E-S-E-D? A Piscid Grunt? <laughs> and this is the one that he uses again. So I, I went to the dictionary. It is obviously not a word. Uh-huh. And uh, But how, how do you use a word or misspell a word twice? Or how do you right. make up a word? Is he just really trying to Edgar Allan Poe this shit and just like, yeah, I'm making like up a, the word a paceed or a Lewis, Lewis Carroll uh, nonsense poem. But it doesn't, it I mean, really... even in context, you cannot tell what that means. No. He had an, a, a piseed grunt. <laughs> and then shortly after that, the word apple-levered. Wow. Which is also not a word. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing here. I, I just picture him like his eyes bulging to the very outward, you know, whatever. Right, or they just—they've glazed over, and he's sort of in a fugue state, just typing. Right. They're like rolled back in his head, and you can only see the whites. He was, yeah, he was just channeling his own language. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty baller, I guess. I mean, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's like he—he he discovers this this room um, through one of these things, and he uh, he sees that miscellaneous articles required for the maintenance of a castle were piled in disorganized heaps at infrequent intervals. So then he, utilizing long, bounding strides, he paced his way over to the mounds of supplies to discover if any articles of value were contained in their myths. So he sees articles required for maintenance in disorganized heap, and his reaction is to then take long, bounding strides. I guess he's unable to contain his excitement at this, uh, at this like, storeroom of janitor supplies in the, uh, in the castle. Yeah, this was a uh, sentence that uh, I almost went to my friends who made the... <laughs> Who made the uh, uh, book of the audio book of this to ask them oh, for wow. this one? Because I thought that would be interesting to explore. But uh, yeah, uh, the uh, maintenance of a castle were piled. Was that like where the hell did I put my box of cressets? Because yes. uh, <laughs> what is the maintenance of a castle? You're just yeah. supposed to imagine that, like you know, boxes. That I'm sure it's like there's masking tape on it, and it's written, you know, and then crossed out, like. No, not cressets. This is uh, earthenware, you know. <laughs> yes, that's where they keep their old uh, USB cables for phones they haven't used in like eight years. But like, you never know. <laughs> There's a guy in there with his butt crack showing, hunched over. To yeah, seeing him, he bounded towards him, and this is when he starts. The words have been flowing, and now he, like you say, eyes rolling back in the head. Elm woven. <laughs> Did you? Do you have any idea what that means? I didn't pick up on that one. Uh, Sprawd. I assume that's a misspelling, but given that he's just, you know, the word elmwoven is in here, maybe sprawd. Sprawd to his left side. Merific is repeated constantly in this. But then. Yeah, that's like a curse. It's his god, I guess. Expugnissively. (laughs) Yawkishly. Wow. What is happening? I think he's going. Uh, amorphous later, but yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's, uh, he springs this trap, um, which essentially it sounds like it's like a sideshow Bob Rake springing up like to, yeah, yeah, it's with, got, like spikes on it, I guess. Right. Yeah. I could not and, picture it until he sort of explains the action 
which yeah. is impenetrable. And then he kind of back explains, oh, I suppose you're wondering what all yeah. that garbage was. In like six paragraphs, he goes beneath it and sort of more describes it again, which is a very interesting choice. The um, arm of the device was four feet long, boasting razor-like cleats at regular intervals along its face, with which it was to skewer the luckless body of its would-be victim. Right. So it's a four-foot-long thing, and it has cleats, which I can't, I, I mean, like shoe cleats that are razor sharp. Right. And they spring up, I guess. And this is to guard the the the, the room of maintenance supplies. Right. The spare, in case, the, in case uh, someone like, needs to steal a, you know, a new sponge head because they, they have one at home that they've been meaning to replace, but they know there's a whole box of them in the office closet. Jerry, I see you taking the tape. You know, just replace it. It's fine. Uh, right, you know, yeah. bring one home, but come I'm on. I'm not going to write you up because that just triggers a whole thing uh, for both of us. But, like, you know, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to. Uh, you know what? I am. I'm going to put a razor-like cleat at regular intervals <laughs> to protect this. I'm, I'm sick uh, of this. It says, if not for his keen auditory organs and lightning-steeled reflexes, Grigner would have been groping through the shadowed hell pits of the Grim Reaper. And that's great. But I just appreciated knowing that the Grim Reaper is part of this mythos uh, yes. that in, in this culture. They they have sort of the guy with the, the hood and the scythe. And that's a shared bit of our culture. It makes me relate to them better. Right. So now the arm springs up and then that reveals another. Does that reveal something in the floor? I could not figure out what the, the he kept describing how it came through the floor. And so yeah. then he kind of goes through the floor. Yeah, I guess they said there's like a floor seven feet below, so it's not a very big room, but like there's another just as a tunnel beneath it, directly beneath it. It was not his not his strong suit here. And through that, he hears the uh, that's when his hair prickled yawkishly in disorganized clumps (laughs) along his scalp (laughs) Uh, after hearing that. And then once again, oily people, a pack of gracie faced shaman clustered yeah. around her in tight circular formation. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's but also when he's down there, there's another word, but he's the, the, uh, the he's observing the tombs and stuff. The the tombs had now grown dingy through the passage passage of the rays of all encompassing mother time. <laughs> I like to think that guys named Alan refer to things as, you know, their their whole worldview is Alan encompassing. Oh, man. And then uh, when he stoops over to espy the tomb's contents, the glittering accordion's nostrils, two L's, <laughs> were singed by the scorching aroma of a moldering corpse, um, which he had smelled that smell before. The yes, shriveled, lots of corpses moldering. Yeah, even though they were embalmed. He goes to lengths to say how stinky it is, but then goes, look, they were embalmed, but it was still yeah, pretty stinky. It was stinky. decaying, yeah, like, in a, it, it was just, like, decaying at a slower rate. So, like, he doesn't want to insult the embalmer's ability. And then the shriveled, leathery packet of crumbled bones and drying, dried flacking flesh? <laughs> what is flacking flesh? I am, yeah, Matt. It offered I, no resistance, by the way. The, the dried sack of flacking flesh. <laughs> um, this is where he sees the uh, the the acolytes who's har- uh, holding his uh, in his clenched right hand was a carven overfaced mallet, which he waved menacingly over the girl's shadowed face. I assume this is the more easily gripped mallet that was referenced in the in the previous section. Oh, that was wasn't that a cup? 
Oh, really? I think it was a cup with a uh, with it was perforated in the middle or something. Uh, well, look, he's going back to the same ergonomic guy here. Like, <laughs> and then he has a uh, incoherent gibberish flowing through his grinning, thick-lipped mouth. So, you know, bringing it home, I was hoping to hear what his lips were going to sound like in this situation. But then you have the uh, this was a, a delightful thing I thought in the face of the amorphous, yeah. broad-breeded female. Stretched out alluringly, of course, before yeah. his gaping eyes, the universal whim of nature filing a plea of despair inside of his hot white soul, Grigner acted in the only manner he could perceive. And so what do you, what do you think that's going to be? Is he uh, going to go start a petition, like uh, a rap battle? Maybe he'll, uh, mm. you know, bring out his loom and do a do a weaving or something. Let me think about what his wilderness-bred <laughs> people would normally do hmm, on their climbs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, he gives vent to a hoarse throat-rending battle cry for the eighth <laughs> time in this uh, in this ten thousand word book. Oh, and then one of my favorite things ever: the uh, gaunt, skull-faced priest um, writhed agonizingly against the hideous image, foam flecking his chalk-white lips. The priest struggled helplessly. Uh, I think it's an N dash and not an M dash, but there are three <laughs> okay. of them. Before we get to the cause of all of this flecking chalk-white lip. The victim of an epileptic seizure. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was, uh, I'm glad I wasn't just taking a long sip of a hot broth or something, which I would then have to spray all over my kitchen. Yeah, so that's like, that was just, that boggled my mind because there I, I had to go back and see, was there anything that, you know, traditionally triggers that? Like Grigner didn't, you know, flash lights. He didn't like put on a Pokemon cartoon, like. Nope, like no one had checked this guy's medical records before they hired him, and he just was hit with a sudden epileptic seizure. <laughs> I mean, sure, it's a cliche, but like uh, to have it happen here, I imagine just like you know uh, him doing like the the faking a heart attack, like people do in court when they're like trying to uh, get out of a sentencing type of thing. Yeah, well, we can laugh, and I did laugh. I laughed <laughs> long and hard at this, but. Uh... Uh, Jim Tice has outsmarted us, and uh, this uh, this might come back to haunt us right. this little moment, right. but we'll see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they were they were um, startled by the barbarian's stunning appearance, of course, uh, and by the chronic fit of their fellow, and by the fear that Grigner might be the avant garde of a conquering force dedicated to the cause of destroying their degenerated cult. <laughs> You know, I, I've so been that, there. So is that their self-description? Uh, <laughs> guys, I'm really worried. Uh, our degenerated cult. I mean, it's going it's going great, but uh, <laughs> that guy out there, he's he's staring in, and I'm I'm worried that he's uh, you know the the avant garde. What do, what do you guys think? <laughs> yes. Right, like after after the after the moment, they they all die. But if they had survived, they'd be like toweling off in the locker room and be like, "Hey, this is a weird question, but uh, when that uh, finely thewed barbarian burst through the door, did?" Anyone else uh, fear that he might be the avant-garde of a concrete force? Are they all dedicated to the cause of destroying the general? <laughs> yes, yes, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, this sentence I have to read. The entire chamber was encompassed. At, this is after he butchers all of the all of the guys, <laughs> except right, yeah. except the uh, chalk white lipped uh, seizure victim. Sure. The entire chamber was encompassed in the heat of raw savage butchery. As Grignar luxuriated in the grips of a primitive, beastly bloodlust. <laughs> so I just pictured, uh, you know, those catalogs for spas where there's a, a woman getting uh, 
hot stones put on her back and then there's, <laughs> there's another one doing a yoga pose out in the uh the sunset or whatever she's, she's holding a big uh like mug of latte with both hands and sort of looking out the window and legs crossed up on a uh, huge wicker chair uh <laughs> and then there's grignar luxuriating <laughs> in the heat of raw savage butchery yes. <laughs> ah Mm. Does it get any better than this guy? <laughs> the blood and entrails spiraling in a pool at yeah. his uh, at his feet. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic! It made me wonder where did he even come up with luxuriated in? I guess <laughs> that's the thesaurus, but I can't imagine what the word he was looking for. Right? Yeah. Um, it it the mind boggles. But I, like I said, there's a there's a, someone as a, as a big theory that they they put into action at the end of this that's going to explain maybe where some of this stuff comes from. But uh, so at the uh, after that, he sort of takes notice of the um, statue of Argon, who these guys were worshiping, um, which is just, I, I guess, just incredibly gigantic uh, jade statue. So he's impressed by the by the uh, by the sheer heft of it. But then he, he looks at the eye, which is a, a red jewel, and um, he decides that that's what he's going to take. And then the phrasing of this, I thought, was great because it says, after all. A man cannot slink from a heavily guarded palace while burdened down by the intense bulk of a squatting statue, providing, of course, that the idol can even be hefted, which, in fact, was beyond the reaches of Grigner's coursing stamina. And the way it was started off with, after all, made me think that this was like, you know, Tice sort of uh, like a familiar moral. Like, you know, after all, uh, he who does not prepare for winter will uh, be forced to like. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in the end. Come on, yes. you can't Come fit on. a huge idol in your leather sack at your side. We all, <laughs> yeah. as as is often said. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The tale as old as time. Uh, we cannot <laughs> slink from a heavily guarded palace while burdened down by the intense bulk of a squatting statue. Good night, kids. <laughs> so he considers that. He, of course, rejects it to pull out the eye of N-N-N-Argon. <laughs> I think the only two in the whole book, but I, I could be wrong. Uh but then, so he's taking the jewel, uh, and and then his attention is drawn away from the eye of dash 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 argon um, by something else. And this, I want to uh, I want to bring this up. Um, this is the scene that I I got from my friends. Oh they, wow! Yes, they told me I could uh, I could leak this scene, so wow. I'm going to. This is when he meets. He meets the woman. It's pretty self-explanatory, but let me just, the sentence that sort of, I, I couldn't figure out how they would handle this, huh. and so I asked them how they did, because it's a weird sentence. It's, uh, Grignar merely voiced and sighed grunt, <laughs> returning the damsel's embrace while he smothered her trim, delicate lips between the coursing protrusions of his reeking maw. Good Lord. And that is hard to picture, so I went to, uh, I went to them and asked how they handled it, and okay, uh, sure. let's just take a listen. Grigner faced the female that had lured him into this bloodbath, but whom had become all but forgotten in the heat of the battle. Help me! Please! I can make it worth your while. You? I thought that I had seen the last of you at the tavern, but verily, I was mistaken. As Grignor lifted the girl from the altar... Her arms wound dexterously around his neck, soft and smooth against his harsh exterior. Art thou pleased that we have chance to meet once again? Grignor merely voiced a side grunt, returning the damsel's embrace while he smothered her trim, delicate lips between the coursing protrusions of his reeking maw. 
we're here on vacation. My name's Jing D- Dalen or something to that effect. Right. That is how he, he introduces himself by saying he's the brother of three different people as well as someone's boyfriend. Our trailer's parked out back. I'm Jim Dalen. So yeah. Yeah, we, do, we do not need your life story, Carthena. We'll just. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but that ends with, uh, uh, as you pointed out last time, he misuses um, uh, question marks and exclamation points. He puts them oh, boy. outside the. <laughs> And the, her a, next sentence this passage is, is incredible. I was paid as homage, I'll, I'll say homage, to Agafim upon his 38th year. Husked the femme! <laughs> exclamation point. And I, I just have a note. Come on. Now he's just messing with us. This is, yeah, this yeah. Is, this, these th- these, there are four back to back. I don't know what you call, you know, said or like, you know, exclaimed the person or, or shrieked. I don't know what that is like. It's some sort of verb, I guess. But he he has four spectacular ones. Husked the femme. Yeah. And, and I am called a barbarian, grunted Grigner in a disgusted tone. I, the ways of our civilization, are in many ways warped and distorted. But what is your calling? She queried bustily. <laughs> Question mark. And then... And then there's another one, uh, just, uh, I have heard, Agafim can curse your land, saith she, which is just another very strange context. So those are, husk the femme, grunted Grigner in a disgusted tone, queried bustily, and saith she, are just a, uh, he really hit for the cycle there. Let's be clear about the queried bustily. She queried, comma, bustily, <laughs> question mark. So doing anything bustily, especially when she's just been on the verge of being, you know, assaulted by these a dozen priests is, is very, very interesting. But uh, someone wrote in, I'm going to read this now. It's an email. But uh, Janelle wrote in saying that this is a uh, so obviously a man writing from the perspective of a woman. Um, and I guess there's a sort of famous passage that circulates online about a uh, you know, when, when a male author tries to write from a woman and it, the queried bustily reminded me of that. But it's uh, Cassandra woke up to the rays of sun streaming through the slats on her blinds cascading over her naked chest. She stretched her breasts lifting with her arms as she greeted the sun. She rolled out of bed and put on a shirt, her nipples prominently showing through the thin fabric. <laughs> she breasted boobily to the stairs and titted downwards. <laughs> So that was yeah, a uh, nice. spot on, uh, pretty much what Tice was doing. Uh, then another word, if you're ready for it, uh, I'll, I'll read it in context. I just have it, uh, you know, with 13 exclamation points behind it. <laughs> they slew the guard placed over me. This is, uh, I'm quoting, what's her name again? Jeez, uh, uh, Car- what Carathon? Carthena. Carthena. Uh, they slew Daughter the- of Minkardos, Duke of Barwego, of whose lands border along the northwestern fringes of Gornum. All right, Carthini, yes. you don't need to say it every time. Um, <laughs> they slew the guard placed over me, and I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it bustily if I can. Okay. They slew the guard placed over me and abducted me to the chamber in which you chanced to come upon the Skostik sacrifice. S C S C O Z C S C O Z S C T I C Skostik sacrifice. Man. What is happening? Imagine the Scrabble value of that one. Good Lord. I mean, obviously, again, not a word. But what is he doing? I have no idea. It's, uh, you know, he's he, his mom is calling him down to dinner, and he's just, you know, one foot is out the door, but he's, like, leaning back to his keyboard to bang these things out as he's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh, did you mention the other, uh, what, uh, how he asked something? How did you I don't know. How did you come to be the victim of those crazed shaman? Quested Grignar <laughs> as he escorted Carthena. I mean, you know, it's the same. It starts the same. Some of them you got to hand them to. They're, they're through, clever. Through the piles of rummage. Rummage on the left side of the trap. Does he mean the, the dead bodies or like? I think he means the, the boxes of uh, spare. Oh, oh of, of, uh, spare. Uh, yeah, of, of uh, extension cords and stuff, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, but the uh, before that, the the before like the the first part of that sentence you just read is she says he says uh, by some means oh no she's this is how she got abducted by some means the priests of Argon acquired a, a set of keys to the cell by some means they slew the guard placed over me and abducted me to the chamber that may have been the means slewing the guard is usually the way that you steal the keys to a cell but, I'm not but, sure she just don't didn't know put how that, that happened yeah. <laughs> And this is when she reveals that it was a uh, that the the priests their days may have been numbered anyways because if the if the king or prince I'm not really sure had ever discovered their unfaithfulness to Sargon his bastard deity so that's where you you reveal that the this is the first mention of Sargon um, but the guys down there were obviously worshiping Argon um, oh. <laughs> I thought that was a typo again. I don't think so. I think it's mentioned again. So there's, you know, I guess it's just a schism in the uh, in the Sargon worshiping. They just they cut the S off and decided that was the real god. So they're down there worshiping the Jade deity. I see. That's why Agathim's pitiless wrath would have been unparalleled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have just been. I mean, it's unparalleled. Oh man! So that's that's delightful. I, you know, you wonder if if the uh, king or prince ever ever wondered, it's like. Man, I wonder where my priests are getting off to. Like they always like disappear, and then they come back, and their lips are all thick and gorged, and uh, it's like they're, they're off. Like you know, <laughs> like they're got, worshiping some new bastard deity. There's like globules all over their wrinkled, <laughs> shiny heads. Uh, what is happening down there? Come on, shaman, be straight with me. <laughs> this is uh, one of my favorite uh, passages right at the end of this chapter. This is uh, chapter six, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's uh, uh, it's Kleinian. I was very happy to see a Kleinian thing where he he speculates about his own characters, uh, oh, wow. seemingly utilizing the speed of thought. Grigner swiveled to face his unknown foe, <laughs> seemingly utilizing the speed of thought. Like I don't I know. Guess... I'm I'm at a loss here to see whether he was utilizing the speed. <laughs> it Since seems no like it, just... but. Since no one could describe to you uh, in a thousand years what utilizing the speed of thought means, I guess it's, you know, we could all seemingly be using it at any given time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, he's he's right in that thing. Seemingly. We don't know. <laughs> uh, so that's all I have. That's chapter six. And my God, that was yeah. something. That was spectacular. It's, you know, it's he does some stuff there, like there the the passage about him, like going down and then repairing the 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 trap or like resetting it is the sort of weird um you know, you know granule of a coherent thought that like in another book there might be you know it's like oh like sure if they come in here and see that this trap is set they'll know i was here um and so the, he has the weird uh notion of of what a plot would be but um for the most part is just completely uh thrown away in terms of these absurd descriptions and made up words and um non-existent uh relationships between people it's it's really amazing 
Yeah, I didn't. That whole picture of that trap was, man, I had to put that together after the fact. And so when he reset it, I think I barely registered that until, of course, it comes back. But, right. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, but yeah, so as you as you mentioned, um, well, you know, first of all, uh, the it was sort of like uh, Chekhov's epileptic priest. Um, sure. That was it was so strange that you have to assume that it was coming back, and it turns out it does at the start of chapter seven. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> well, both things come back. The <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it, I I didn't have a lot of notes for this. It's a very quick chapter seven, describing this. Um, uh, why don't you go ahead with yours? Because I only sure. really have one. Yeah, it says uh, due to his high susceptibility not the word, but due to his high susceptibility following the seizure, the priest was transformed into a raving maniac bent solely upon wreaking vengeance, which is a, uh, I checked, that's a common uh, epilepsy side effect, um, is being transformed into a raving maniac bent solely upon wreaking vengeance. Um, so that's accurate. Um, but then uh, he's got uh, lips curled and quivering with a crust of foam dripping from them. Of course. And uh, he's, uh, he's, he's there ready to uh, ready to attack our uh, Grigner, sorry. Yeah, but before that, here's my note. Above his head rose the hideous idol, its empty socket, holding the shaman's eye-furbished, infuriated gaze. <laughs> eye-furbished? Yes. Eye-furbished. What is, again, what does it mean? Uh, late 90s internet startup for <laughs> home decor? Like... <laughs> eye-furbish. <laughs> Information furbished. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, the, your apartment looks great. Did you furbish it yourself? <laughs> he turns to the cameras and winks. <laughs> I guess you could say I furbished it. Oh man, I I that was another one where it's like, don't make me go to the. If this is a real thing, I'm going to be enraged. And if it's not <laughs> a real thing, I'm enraged. My I furbished infuriated gaze is upon you, Tice. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that was sort of the, uh, it was, that was a chapter seven, even though chapter seven and a half is a lot longer than chapter seven, but that's all I've got there. Uh, before we move on to chapter seven and a half, then let's just, uh, thank some of our Patreon, uh, supporters, uh, yes. we, as you may or may not know this, uh, podcast is supported by Patreon. It's been, people have been extremely generous, um, in, in, in doing that. Um, they have been getting the episodes earlier. Uh, so if you ever, uh, want to be able to listen to them and then brag to everyone else that you're listening to them. That's uh, we've been putting them up a couple days early uh, for people who pledge $5 a month and up above. And uh, some of those people who have done it are uh, Alexander George, Jason Pant, uh, Mike Wasson, Anthony Kwiatkowski, probably just screwed that up uh, in a Tysian way and Victor Lambs. So thanks for all your support guys. Yeah. Thank you. This has been, uh, this has been fun and to have to know that at least these people, you can look and say, at least this small group of people is actually paying attention to this madness. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it, it keeps us going. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so you can support that at patreon.com slash 372 pages. Uh, but yeah, chapter seven and a half. Uh, it opens with Grigner's is preparing to parry the blow while gaping wide eyed in open mouth perplexity. And. <laughs> At some point in time, I realized, like, oh, this, uh, do you ever play Mario 64, the Nintendo 64 Mario? At the very beginning, there's just a a, a sort of polygonal Mario, and you can drag the cursor and, like, pull his nose or raise his eyebrow. And that's ah, what this sure. reminded me of, is those type of, uh, those like, someone is just doing this to Grigner. So he's gaping wide-eyed, but also open mouth perplexity. You're just creating these grotesque expressions by pulling <laughs> his 
his his, his mask around. Uh, the uh, behind the uh, frothing shaman, which is now <laughs> singular again. So the right. proof that he didn't just misspell Sean. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, so he he strikes down the epileptic guy. So I and and I think it said something along the lines of like, it, this was this was real. It wasn't the guy faking it. Like, because yeah, due to his high susceptibility following the seizure, that's why he was transformed. So it wasn't just like Larry David faking a heart attack. He was actually epileptic and uh, but but came back with solely upon wreaking vengeance. But he's dispatched with very easily. Yeah, and um, he had been down long enough uh, after that seizure to the the white chalk white foam had crusted over by the time he got up. So of course, yes. long, so <laughs> that, that's a fairly long time. I mean, at least half an hour, I think. Sure, uh, but yeah. So then they uh, they sort of are walking through these hallways, and the the um, princess or wench or I forget her name already uh, was is describing sort of how she ended up there, and like um, she says is talking about the prince who i thought was the king but i think they're the same person i'm not sure what happened there but she says it is not always in the prince's best interests to leave his chateau in public view even while under heavy guard he is often assaulted by hurtling stones and rotting fruits so with you know three pages left in this book they're starting to provide sort of like a a, a eye into the like political landscape of this kingdom which is yep. like we at this point in time this is this is we do not need this icing on the cake uh, tice yeah again i thought it was sort of uh it was kleinian where the world is pretty he tries to keep his world <laughs> simple but sometimes he has to mention the outside world you know where, right. where goods and workers are going into the city and you go wait what's <laughs> going on out there like Duh, don't pay attention to that that's nothing don't worry about it <laughs> yes but it, you know it's happening often that he's assaulted by hurtling stones and fruit so that's something he might want to might want to think about if this is you know fool me eight times by throwing uh, stones and rotten fruits uh, and that's on me but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i just wanted to to uh, recommend this to everyone we can't read all of it obviously the dialogue because he hasn't there hasn't been much dialogue there's been grunting and the cry <laughs> and the cries of his wilderness bred people and you know there's some lines in there like you know taunts and Come on, dog, let's fight. But now there's actual dialogue, and it is fantastic. <laughs> it is so good. Yep. I, I really commend it to you to read. Uh, all of it is great. But My favorite uh, uh, my favorite excerpt from this is, this is one that I had marked one sentence of it, and then when I reread this to, to take notes down, I realized that it was like a haiku almost in how bad it is. Grigner is just talking about the prince. It is amazing that they would ever have let a pig like him become their ruler. I should imagine that his people would rise up and crucify him like the dog he is. Yeah. <laughs> so at first I was like, oh, that's that's weird. Like crucify him like a dog. Is that happening a lot in this kingdom? And then I realized that they he describes him as a pig the sentence before. And then he's a dog in the next sentence, uh, which was just truly spectacular. And then how can they bear to live under such oppression? I would rather die than live under a dog's command. So yes. he's got a, lot of, a lot of imagery right. coming at you there. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know if this is Grigner's first day on Earth or if he's just sort of like this uh, newborn babe, like, you know, coming into the world. But he seems very unclear as to uh, the fact that, like, kings might abuse power. Like, you know, the, the woman's like, uh, oh, it's not as simple as all that. His soldiers are well paid by him. As long as he keeps their wages up, they'll carry out his damned wish. 
uh, Grigner is sitting there puzzling out like, well, does they're being paid. And now so that is why they're they're following this guy. Like he's unable to comprehend these basic things about the way that the world has operated since time began. It's his uh, his mode is to, uh, you know, drop into a chamber and ax everyone until their gore drops in pools on the floor. He doesn't really right. get into the politics that much, <laughs> which, by the but way, yeah. is a uh, is a sentence. His regal purple robe blending enticingly, no, enhancingly with the swirling streams of crimson. And then just a little bit later, um, oh, where is it? Uh, his gore was also, oh yeah, no, a pool of blood and entrails. Yeah. The entrails are in a pool. I guess the blood <laughs> is the pool and the entrails are right, sort sure. of like the, the bits of meat floating about in the pool. Yeah, the, the pool noodles and uh, yes. dead Japanese beetles. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so like as they're going around here, he's just like routinely carrying her around like a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. Like he, his left arm is wound dexterously around her slim waist. She's sagging in his encompassing embrace. So he's just like tossing her around as they're making this escape, even though she's the one who's familiar with the hallways and is sort of leading him where they're going. Yeah, she's pressing secret buttons and stuff like that to get yeah, there's through. A, there's yeah, there's Scooby-Doo in, uh, you know, torches you tilt and then you press a thing at the same time. I love, uh, there's more sort of Kleinian editorializing about his own character. Carthena cast her eyes downward and ceased any further pursuit towards conversation. An irritating habit in which she had gained an amazing proficiency. (laughs) Wow, you don't like Carthena very much. She's very irritating when she's casting her eyes down like that. He's irritated by it the first time it happens, even though she's amazingly proficient at it. (laughs) This was an amazing uh, little uh, typo that, um, you know, you you don't fault them for a lot of them, but sometimes they just work out in a poetic sense. The peasants are showing signs of growing unrest. They complain that they cannot feed their families while burdened with your taxes. (laughs) Some erotic trampling. They're just unable to to make time for that as they're... trying to work to pay their taxes but yeah they, the taxes come up again um which is which was pretty delightful um because uh now they are sort of ducked into the side of the alley and uh the the prince or king uh or no no i guess this is the advisor is coming down the road the the alley talking to someone and he says i shall teach those sluts the meaning of humility mm-hmm. order an immediate increase upon their taxes <laughs> And that would be just an amazing thing for a uh, like a congressman or something to be overheard hearing. Yeah, they'll they'll learn the meaning of not liking my taxes by having more taxes. <laughs> um, but before that happens, they they see a man hanging from the uh, a corpse hanging from the wall, and she says, um, "The man hanging from the wall was Doyanta. He had committed the folly of showing affections for me in front of Agafim. He never meant any harm by his actions." <laughs> there was never anything between us. So she sees like a flacking corpse. He calls it again a f- uh, flacking arms held in place. Right. She recognizes the half moldered corpse and <laughs> and then starts crying that uh, she he was like hitting on her. And he's like, ah, he was harmless. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. The, the but then he's like, I detect, the, I detect you felt more for this fellow than you wish to let on. Sort of like that rom-com uh cliche where he's like no and no, no, like we're there you know i've this is this is someone from your past that you you really loved him didn't you yeah I, and i also love that uh i don't know why he wasted time on this but uh so grigner hears those two coming towards him the king and his advisor or whatever 
And uh, she says, what are you worried about? It's just horses. And she goes, ah, I hear better than you. (laughs) Those are actually footsteps. Like, you know, that's another irritating habit you have. Well, you keep (laughs) telling me that footsteps are horses. Stop it. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this is uh, Agafind. Grigner gasps as he observes the bisected face set in its leering death agonies. It was Agafin. I wasn't sure that was really worth a gasp since there's been like two people he's encountered. Right. Um, he shouldn't be that surprised. But then uh, he, he he smugly grins and says that uh, Sargon should be more careful of his right-hand men. And, and Sargon has been clarified that it is the deity. So the, is he talking about the king or the prince who was not named? The prince is the guy who can't leave his chateau without being pelted by vegetables but then the king is the guy who had been you know smoking a blunt in that picture we saw earlier the rotund fat guy it's very confusing here yeah i didn't um, i didn't follow like it at all all the same uh, within one uh do you have that sentence that you just read about sargon do you have the whole thing in front of you no oh okay because i was going to ask you what his lips were up to but i found the <laughs> sentence here added to grignar a smug grin upon his lips Okay. We always get a description of what what the people's mouths are doing at any particular time. It's very disconcerting. So the Grig is upon his lips? This was like my mom always used to say when you would like be pouting and sticking at your lower lip that a a parakeet would come and and like perch on your lip. Maybe this smug grin is perched on your lip like that. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Uh, So Um, there's the uh, small fight, right? mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, so he is in stagnant green water, grasping a spouting stump that had once been a wrist. Yeah, uh, that struck me. Yeah. Is it, is a wrist, like, sure. What? <laughs> yeah, I, the wrist still exists. I mean, yeah. it's either above or below the cut, right? Right, so it could have once been a hand, it could have once been a forearm but like i would say the wrist yeah if you're looking at it it stretches a long way he didn't really obliterate the area that was once a wrist because he's describing it he raises the thing that once was a wrist very yes. hard to, very hard to make out right unless you yeah unless you cut it like right where like your sort of forearm muscle is starting like i'd still consider that maybe wrist <laughs> uh, again, we need someone to tell us where is the urinary gland, <laughs> where does the wrist end and begin, and can you get rid of it by cutting through the wrist? God. Um, but yeah, so he uh, he he slews Agafind, um, and then they they sort of continue out towards the stable. So she was right, I guess. I guess, I guess they were both right. Yeah, there were horses. Yeah. Uh, the uh, where is that? I didn't write it down, but I, I have the book. It's like the uh, the stable stood ab- above them or something. It, it did something that a stable can't do. Okay. <laughs> it stood or it uh, came at them or something. I don't know. And then he, uh, he, he sort of takes out the Eye of Aragon, raising it towards the sun. He said, we shall do well with Bobble, eh? <laughs> Wow, you know, he's a secret Canadian uh, revealed at the end of the book. They snuck that one in there. And now I'd like to issue a challenge. I assume everyone who's listening has read the book or is familiar with it. If you are not, look into your heart. Be honest about this. I will give you a million dollars if you can guess what happens next. (laughs) (laughs) Were you as delightfully stunned as I was? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, you can't fault his... 
imagination, I suppose. Like, I guess you had to assume that, uh, you know, we, we've never been taught that stealing a uh, cursed religious object is going to result in good things for the person. But the manner in which this happens, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, I guess sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark a little bit. Uh, yeah. Which it preceded by quite a, quite a long uh Sure, I think it's yeah. clear that Raiders of the Lost Ark ripped this off. I yeah. think a lot of it is over. <laughs> Do you have any of the uh, sentences there? To uh, I, I have how it starts, because it was very confusing. Cathena gaped at the gem, gasping in a terrified manner. The Eye of Argon. Oh, Kala. At this, the gem gave off a blinding glow, then dribbled through Grigner's fingers in a slimy red ooze. So it seemed like since Oh, Kala is not a phrase anyone's ever used or exists— seems like it says at this, the gem gave off a blinding glow. So it seems like she sort of cast a spell or triggered this, which is not the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I thought, too. I didn't know what Kala. What does Kala mean? Did that come up in the book before? Do not think so. Did not look it up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. but, uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, the uh, the um, it turns into a hideous uh, worm like a leech. And it uh, pretty much scuttles right over and latches onto him and just really starts like sucking his blood out as fast as could be imagined. It covers his leg and, <laughs> and makes these, and his, the, uh, the gap, it's like a, uh, it's like a glob of slime, but it's fairly large because it's, it's covering his leg, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's only getting bigger as it continues to suck out, um, his, you know, yeah, his life. It, it has a leech like maw, no indication yeah. of whether that was reeking or not. We, we don't know. <laughs> Right, maw is, becomes the uh, be the lips of this final section. It maw comes up a lot, and then he steeled his quivering thews <laughs> for a battle royal with a thing he knew not how to fight. And now I'm, he doesn't describe it very well, but it uh, it kind of he tries to hack at it, but it goes through it, mm-hmm. and then it starts to. And this is the sentence that I have. <laughs> yeah. Then it started to sluice. Up his leg, S-L-O-O-Z-E. The hairs upon his nape stood, with an E on the end, stood on end from the slimy feel of the thing's buly, comma, bulk. Any idea what that means? What is a no, buly, comma, bulk? Full jabberwocky. <laughs> Sluzin. Sluzing up my leg. <laughs> it's just maybe it's names of like his uh his uh blue collar drinking buddies. Sluzing. Yeah. Sluze. <laughs> the sluze monster. <laughs> Unbelievable. So that's kind of the end of the book. Yeah, well, yeah, it ends there. And like for a long time that was as far as anyone thought it went. Yeah. Everyone like, was yeah. perplexed and uh, you know, is this a cliffhanger? Right. But, and then, so, like, people were reading this in the, it was published in the 70s. People were reading it for fun in the 80s. It wasn't until January of 2005 that the lost ending was discovered because <laughs> it was circulating in this sort of, uh, you know, Usenet format, just like a, a bad MP3 you downloaded. And so that was the only way people did it. So I, I just could only imagine how excited people were once this came out. Uh, it was in the New York Review of Science Fiction and someone just tracked down the the original Ozark Sci-Fi Association Journal number ten. Um, wait wait a minute, j- is this right? That I did not because I was just reading from the source that had it all, and I assumed, and I didn't read the story of the lost ending. I assumed that he was just doing his chapter seven and a half, calling it the lost ending. Oh no no, this is like this is the guy, actually lost. Was it in okay. the original thing? 
Yeah, yeah. It was in the original text, but a guy went to the Jack Williamson science fiction library at Eastern New Mexico University and found, you know, the actual text. I mean, wow. you know, a complete copy of it. And so this the, he he transcribed this. It was validated like. Uh, oh, my God. I said it was like the, I thought it, the first time that we ever saw like a second video featuring like the services selling people. <laughs> yeah. I was like they made another one. Like, my God, they're all there. Just <laughs> getting this new glimpse into this uh, thing you'd treasured. So for, for everyone else, they were reading uh, for those many years that the book was ending with the jelly like mass began to bubble <laughs> like a vat of boiling tar as quivers passed up and down its entire form. Yeah, That's that the, was it. The end. <laughs> yeah. It's like the lady or the tiger. Oh my gosh! I didn't realize. I I assumed that this was a uh, a delightful quirk of Mr. Tice that he uh, no no he did that. it makes it so much better. Wow, fantastic! Um, so yeah, let's tell him how it ends. Well, yeah. So he goes. He he he, he kills it. Uh, he he sort of like slays it, slays it through with his axe. I didn't I didn't I didn't cut the uh, cut the exact turn of phrase. Yeah, I don't know. After it started sluicing up his leg, I couldn't really. <laughs> but he was losing. The... He says here, Grignar felt the blackness closing upon his eyes, but held on with the last ebb of his rapidly waning vitality. So it was just like sucking juices from him and growing and almost encompassing, I assumed, <laughs> his whole uh, bar uh, barbarian hulk. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely, you know, encompassing multiple thews. Um, <laughs> How about his bronze hide? How intact? Yes. Was... <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he manages to kill it. Um, so that that was a pretty big, probably anticlimax after three decades of waiting. But there's not anticlimaxes in the in the final text because there are some absolute gems um, in this in this uh, final like you know eight paragraphs uh, after he kills the the thing. Um, it uh, sort of like disappears into a mist. The, uh, the eye of Argon, like it, it disappears. Yeah. It and Grigner, it says, in that fleeting moment, the grim mystery of life was revealed before Grigner's ensnared gaze. <laughs> what was it? Was the, was the fleeting, was the grim mystery of life really revealed? Because he's not going to share it with the rest of us. We all have to slow, uh, slew a, a maw beast um, out of a, made out of a her hereditary, I mean, heretic jewel. Yeah, um, in order to reveal the grim mystery of life, I accept that. You know, yeah, all, all. that makes sense. I don't understand <laughs> what your problem is, because then it's even becomes even clearer. The eyeballs glare, which is plural, not possessive. The eyeballs, <laughs> so there's more than one now. Glare turned to a sudden plea of mercy, a plea <laughs> for the whole of humanity. <laughs> so the the blob turns to a bunch of eyes and glares at him with a plea of mercy for all of humanity. And so what is he supposed to do there? Like, let it live for humanity? Or is it like a temptation of the devil, of the Grim Reaper? Like, what is he... What are, what are we meant to take away here, Tice? This is... <laughs> yeah, you're biting I, off more than you I think he was going again for, you know, the Tolkien uh, eye of, you know, the eye of Sauron, you know, pleading with... I, I don't know. That That's what I... I and then he just kind of lost steam on... Uh, I think he spent everything on chapter six and just went, I don't know, it's an eye. It looks at you and then it shatters into a thousand pieces and is gone. Right. Yeah. You, we have all seen movies where that happens. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. He, he shakes his head, his shaggy mane to clear the jumble fragments of his mind. I thought that was a pretty nice, uh, you know, multiple mixed metaphors there. Yep. And then 
I mean, again, we could read the whole chapter, but just the last paragraph, the, la- or yes. the last two sentences. Mount- yes. Mounting one of the disgruntled mares. We did not know they were. <laughs> Why are they so angry? I, don't know, I guess they hadn't been ridden for a while. They were just uh, in their little stable. And leading the other, the weary, scarred barbarian, trooted slowly off into into the horizon to become a tiny pinpoint in a filtered filed of swirling blue mists, leaving the nobles, capitalized, soldiers and peasants, to replace the missing monarch. And then the greatest sign-off you could ever have. <laughs> yes. Long leave the king, four exclamation points. Yes. It's, it's absolute pure poetry. I just wrote, suck it so we beat on boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. <laughs> you know, we have a new ending of the great American novel. Oh, go to hell, stately plump Buck Mulligan. You, uh, you have been bested. <laughs> it's so good. Just you know, it's it's the long leave the king for exclamation marks is <laughs> sarcastic, I guess. But multiple misspellings, truding off, disgruntled mares, like it's got a little bit of everything that made the book great. But then it has one more treat for us. Yeah, and, and it's over, and it's over, and there's still a treat. <laughs> and it's by Jim Tice. Great. <laughs> Winner of the J.T. Rykosh Award for Excla- Excellence, exclamation point. <laughs> so after that confusing last paragraph, uh, he's the winner of, of the J.T. Rykosh Award for Excellence. That, that reminded me of how the uh, you know the Nick Cage movie Wicker Man ends. So there's you know, the final 10 minutes of that are utter madness, not the bees, all that stuff. And then it ends, fades to black. And the very first credit is for Johnny Ramone. <laughs> like the Ramones guitarist who had died like, you know, six months earlier or something like that. Like, yep, cherry on the top of the Sunday, man. That is, you know, you couldn't in a million years, if you were making something up, uh, decide that that was what you were going to do. And in the notes, like the, the, that they're provided sort of on the website in the ebook, the, the scholar of, uh, the Tice scholar says, no one has any idea who JT Rikosh is, what that means. I mean, they, they, they surmise that he is the one who did the illustrations for this and he wrote a poem called Ayik, but no information about him or what that award could possibly mean um, has ever surfaced. Wow. So mystery, yeah. uh, all of it is so good. I, the fact that there's a mystery around it is, makes it 10 times better. <laughs> yes, it's so fantastic. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period or an exclamation. Boy, it's been a while. I know, yeah. I've, I've, people were upset that they didn't get to hear that last time. I think that was the main. Uh, they didn't need to hear the sentences, but it was mostly the song. Oh, it's an awesome song. Uh, we'll have to continue to credit that guy. Oh, yeah. We said who it was once before. I just don't remember the name. Yeah, we can link to it. I mean, I so, I mean, he's got, that song has like over a million YouTube views, which is also very oh, impressive. yeah, that's so, fantastic, yeah. That guy can buy and sell us, so. <laughs> All right, well, it's time. Dumb Sentence yeah. of the Week. As I told, we it. alluded to it before, I, uh. I don't know if all of mine got burned. I think I got one here. So go, okay. but go ahead yeah, with I, yours. I purposely, uh, it was in this last section in the lost ending, and I, I did not mention it just so I could use it here, but it was by far the best thing there. So if you were gritting your teeth and disgusted with us that I did not mention this one, it was because I was saving it. Um, so he's killed the worm. It's disappeared. It's, you know, gave its plea for humanity. And then the thing was gone forever. All that remained was a dark red blotch upon the face of the earth. 
blotching things up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I noticed that. Oh man. So there, yeah, that's, uh, that's what more can you say? I mean, that's pretty much just Tice distilled into a, uh, into one sentence. It's a, a, a terrible description that he doubles down on somehow in the same sentence. Oh, that is fantastic. Mine is, uh, I, I sort of got close to referencing it before, but here's the actual thing. Uh, one sentence. Here we go. With an inward surge of, of his biceps, he harshly <laughs> jerked the trembling girl to her feet and smothered her salty, wet cheeks with the moldy touch of his decrepit, dull red lips. Oh, my God. <laughs> Again, trying to picture Tice's prose is a very difficult thing, but uh, that one distills a lot of what he does nicely. Because, again... Yes. Lips feature prominently in his writing. <laughs> Everyone is a microcosm of the book of the whole. It's really special. Yes. Uh, people sent stuff in, though, right? Yeah, let's, do, let's read some uh, emails. Oh, okay. Mails. Here we go. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. Ain't going to cruise out, man. We're stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. All right. Let's steal some people's mail. All right, we got some uh, good emails. It's always fun to read them because you think of things that I would never have thought of myself. Um, so I am appreciative of everyone who took the time to write in. Sorry we can't reply to them all. But uh, Josh uh, had a good little zinger. He said, uh, did he not realize that argon is an element? Because chemically inert would be high praise for this book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have uh, Liz who wrote in. This is sort of, uh, we touched on this a lot, uh, that he had his own made-up words. But she said, names that Tice, well, Tice didn't write a Thysaurus, a guide for how to incorrectly apply random adjectives in some standard fantasy fiction. Oh, Bonus I hope section. she grabbed that URL. Yeah, no kidding. It'd be nice. She said that the, the Thysaurus uh, could contain sections, uh, what is making love, anatomy of the mysterious female sex, misspelled <laughs> words, how to create confusion slash interest in the reader's mind, voodoo temples for the uninitiated, ovals, uses you never thought of before, and many, many more. We'd learn what coursing stamina was. I'd, I'd be excited yes. about that. <laughs> the difference between a steed and a stead. Um, this uh, James says the book really needs a prog rock theme song, which I think we can all agree that nothing deserves one more than this book. His vote is for Epitaph by King Crimson. It fits completely. It has just the right amount of overwrought misery. Then uh, this is from Ross. Ross is another uh, just like me guy who lost on Jeopardy. He lost uh, somewhat more recently than oh, me. Oh, but... a brother, a brother in <laughs> yes. loss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he he says that uh, uh, you guys inspired me and my wife to approach a friend about starting a podcast together, a book club podcast, one that owes a lot to 372 pages. The name is The Book Club Was Better. Much like 372 pages, we take a book, read it in chunks, and discuss each section week by week. Our hook is we only read the crap that's getting turned into movies. It's not to say we're reading stuff as bad as what you guys read, but we've been doing it for a few months now and about to start our fifth book, The Girl in the Spider's Web by David, not Stieg Larsson, Lagerkrantz. I guess they're just keeping that series going after the author died. Oh. It's not great, but we're having a ton of fun. So if you like this stuff, you may want to check out The Book Club Was Better because uh, it sounds like a fun idea too. Oh, that's great. And then this is where what I alluded to during the podcast where uh, Thomas wrote in, and uh, he submitted fanfic, but we can't do any fanfic because there's none to guess at this time. But he says 
that so Robert E. Howard is, I guess, the guy who invented Conan the Barbarian, which I guess was probably pulp novels before the movies. Um, yeah, he's I think the uh, I steered you to an article. Maybe we can link to that where the guy theorizes that that's that's exactly the author he was reading. I think Cull is one of them, like Cull the Conqueror or something. Oh, OK. When I, I read that first thing in the morning and I thought it was I thought it said Crawl and I'm like, Crawl was a book. Like, how do we miss that? <laughs> Um, all right, that makes sense. But yeah, so he he took these and I guess probably replaced the characters' names with Grigner, so you can see how where the influence comes from. I'll just read a couple of them. As the monstrous shape with its leprous gray body and the features of a carven, unhuman idol loomed over him, Grigner struck as a wounded tiger strikes, with every ounce of thew and fury behind the blow. That stroke would have sheared a human body asunder, but the bones of the servant of Bityakin were like tempered steel. Yet even tempered steel could not wholly have withstood that furious stroke. Ribs and shoulder bone parted and blood sprouted from the great gash. Oh, wow. That is yeah. spot on. That's what he was reading. The mystery yeah. is solved. Yeah. So, yeah, just few. OK, here's another one. This was the monstrosity Zogar Sag had summoned out of the forest. Grigner lo no longer doubted the actuality of the shaman's magic. Only the black arts could establish a dom domination over that tiny brain, mighty feud monster. Like a whisper at the back of his consciousness rose the vague memory of the name of an ancient god of darkness and primordial fear, to whom once both men and beasts bowed and whose children, men whispered, still lurked in dark corners of the world. So, yeah, it's sort of, uh, you know, it makes it a little less special, but I think it's it's sort of like a uh, when you feed something into Google Translate, translate it to another language, a third one, then translate it back to the original one. That's yeah. sort of what you've got if you took these uh, Conan stories. Yeah, but let's, you know, let's remember, not even, uh, you know, Mozart was derivative. Mozart didn't plow any new ground. He was not, you know, he was not Beethoven. Beethoven was inventing all the time and, you know, but, uh, you know, it's okay to be a Mozart, Jim Tice. You're fine. Jim Tice, uh, as good as Mozart. You heard it here first, folks, from Mike Nelson. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's our emails. And uh, I guess that probably wraps it up. What's your final impression of the Eye of Argon? Do you wish it went on a little longer? Yeah, it is a little short. I mean, it's like a, a good comedy, right? Leave them wanting more. I suppose, uh, yeah. I wanted a little. I wanted a little more dialogue between Carthena and him. <laughs> I wanted to see, you know, they're like they're riding off. They're, well, they become a tiny speck, right? right. <laughs> Which I assume means that they actually get smaller. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's. I like how he's holding the camera pose. Like they become a tiny speck, meaning I'm not going to follow them. I'm just standing <laughs> back here. Uh, but yeah, I want to see what their life was like. Their domestic situation uh, would obviously be hilarious. Yeah, well, it's uh, perhaps a uh, long lost uh, sequel will turn up at some point in time. I, I would mostly want to know more about the guy, I guess. Like, I'd just be more curious about his uh, his day to day life and um, sort of how he how he actually, you know, took this to heart. Like, I'm sure he was sort of like, yeah, I was 16. Like, who cares? But, um, you know, just maybe talk to some of his buddies or anything like that. Just get a, a little better picture of what his life was like, because like we said, it would be great if we turned out that he was, you know, the, uh, you know, le league leading district quarterback at his high school or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, there is a uh, a John Dacre like mystery around him that I wish uh, <laughs> wish could be filled in a little bit. But maybe maybe the mystery is is needed to keep this thing alive. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess that that'll do it. But uh, you know, if you have any more thoughts about the Eye of Argon, send them in. Maybe we can do a little uh, wrap up uh, show if there's any more emails, something like that. But I guess it's time to uh, to move on to something else. Uh, yeah, uh, let's flack on to to something different. Yeah, and um, what are we doing? 
I, that's a good question. I guess we'll talk about that. But uh, you know, the the main the main question I have is is should we should we find something else that's like this or or go back in the direction of something that uh, you know was 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 intended to be to be good for a, a mass audience? And that's the uh, not a problem. But maybe we can do continue to do both. I think it's a fun balance to find these uh, crazy like um, Birdemic-y kind of gems in in along with the books that you know normal people might have actually heard of and read. Right, yeah, we have a lot of things to balance. Like, of course, we're not going to do a, a slog, some giant, uh, you know, a trilogy. Of, right. <laughs> we're probably going to keep it a little tidier than that. But uh, but honestly, yeah, we haven't thought about it much, so we got a lot of uh, thinking to do. So I guess suggestions are welcome, right? Yeah, yeah. Send, send in suggestions, and um, we have asked for them before, and so I've got some of those noted. But uh, we, we won't, it won't be long. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully be back with something pretty quick. And you know what? I think just as a treat to the audience, instead of uh, theme songing our way out, I would like to uh, replay the sentence song. So just a, okay. little, just a little gift for everyone out there. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. And thanks again yeah. to our uh, Patreon people. This has been uh, 372 pages. We'll never get back. Long leave the king! A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. Or an exclamation, or a question mark. A sentence always ends with a period. Or an exclamation, or a question mark. So, my dog is great.